0: Welcome to a new Carter Report series, The Game Changers. These rare individuals appear once in a lifetime, like a blazing meteor across the night sky. They change the course of history. They show us the way forward. Welcome to The Game Changers.
1: Many of my Aussie friends are very anti-religion. Not really anti-God, but very anti-religion. Now the Aussies are fond of saying, and um, this is rather rather awful, they say there are three sexes, (laughs) men, women and clergymen. Oops. Now, uh, on the screen we have the Sydney Opera House. We hired the Sydney Opera House for more than six months. We had evangelistic meetings there. Australia was not founded by the Pilgrim Fathers, uh, but by convicts, many of whom had stolen a loaf of bread to feed their kids. And so in the heart of many Australians there was a sense of of justice and injustice. And then, of course, the pedophile scandals in the Catholic Church around the world, from Europe to Australia to America to Latin America. Um, These terrible scandals around the world has not helped their appreciation of organized religion the Australian government has gone out basically by itself and it has formed a royal commission to investigate this great church. And at present they're investigating Cardinal Pell, the highest ranking Roman Catholic prelate to be investigated and charged for pedophilia. His trial is ongoing. But can you imagine what the average Australian thinks about this? Organised religion, not good. A clergyman in the eyes of the sunburnt soul is a rather weak, colourless individual. But I would tell my Aussie friends today the reality is far from the truth. If you look at the Australian $20 bill, see it here? The Aussie $20 bill. On the $20 bill, there is the portrait of John Flynn. I tell my Australian friends, this man uh, is recognised all throughout Australia as a great hero. Did you know he was a preacher of the gospel? He founded the Australian Inland Mission. He had a a desperate passion for the lost in Australia's great outback. And you've got to go there to find out how big it is, how desolate it is, how lonely it is. He walked, rode on camel, drove in old cars all throughout the outback and then he founded the Royal Flying Doctor Service. And so today, if you're living on a remote outback station or ranch, as it is is called in America, and if you get sick, they will send a plane with a doctor. And John Finn was the person who brought medical help to all those people in the outback. He was uh, a minister, not a mamby-pamby, and certainly not uh, a clergyman. We've been talking about the game changers, my friends. And the game changers are all heroes. Moses, Elijah, John the Baptist, and Jesus our Lord. Tough, strong, uh, courageous people. Not mamby-pambys. And then we had some other heroes like Mary Magdalene Ruth, and Esther, Phoebe, Priscilla. Strong people. Now, there was a man whose description goes something like this. Short, stooped, bow-legged, hook nose, and full of grace. The Jew. We're talking about Paul, the Jew. It changed the history of the world. Listen to this, my American friends, because... Virtually nobody remembers this or knows this today. Paul was responsible for the rise of democracies around the world. He was actually responsible, um, if you take the long view, for the founding of the United States of America. Can you believe it? And the right to be free. He was tough, resilient, courageous, compassionate, and a genius No clergyman uh, and no mamby-pamby. No wimp, but a hero. Take your Bible. Come with me to Philippians chapter 3 and verses 5 and 6. And these are the words of this man who changed the world. Philippians 3, 5 and 6. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, A Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law. A Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law. Blameless. A Pharisee. We're going to notice exciting stories about this super game changer. He tells us that he was born and bred a Pharisee. Who were the Pharisees? The Pharisees were the very best of the very best. They were the most religious people on the face of the earth. Have you heard of Antiochus Epiphanes? Uh, Most scholars know about Antiochus Epiphanes. In the second century BC, he tried to force Hellenization or pagan culture upon the Jews. In fact, the story is told uh, that he went into the Jewish sanctuary and he offered a pig on the altar. Now the Jews are fighters and they rallied around a man by the name of Judas Maccabeus and his followers were called uh, the Maccabees and you can read them in the Apocrypha of the scriptures. They had a long and bloody fight. And Judas Maccabeus and the Maccabees drove out Antiochus Epiphanes, one of the greatest events in the history of religion. And after they had driven out these people who were trying to paganize the church, the Jewish people said, Never again. We brought this upon ourselves because we broke the law of God and thus came into being the Pharisees, the defender of orthodoxy and the defender of the church of God, the state of the Israelis, we would call them today. Back there, the Israelites, the Jews, The Pharisees had a saying, when Israel keeps the law perfectly, Messiah will come and save us. There are Christians who think the same today. The Pharisees are mentioned 98 times in the New Testament. They saw Jesus as a threat to their existence. They were not a big group, 6,000 strong. They were political. They were perfectionists. They were proud. And Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He hated Jesus and his followers. Now Paul had dual citizenship. Paul is his Roman name, Paulus. His Jewish name is the Hebrew word Saul. He never changed his name from Saul to Paul. One of our first introductions to him is that we discover that he is an accessory to murder. Whatever he did, he did with a passion, even bad things. He was involved in the murder of a good man. Turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 7 and verse 54. Chapter 7 and verse 54. When they heard these things, the Jewish mob, they were cut to the heart. They gnashed their teeth at him, Stephen. They gnashed at him with their teeth. And then you come to verse 58. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. In chapter 8, verse 1, the first part. Now Saul was consenting, to his death. I want you to understand today that stoning was cruel and bloody. The person was usually cast to the ground. Uh, This is what they did to women who were caught in the act of adultery, not to the men. And so the person was cast to the ground and then uh, the righteous mob picked up stones uh, and they threw the stones at him and the blood. Somebody said the difference between a Pharisee and a follower of Christ is that while the Pharisees picked up stones, Jesus picked up people. And if you're in the business of picking up stones, then you are no follower of Christ, even though you may be an elder in the church. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? Uh, Saul had dual citizenship, like me. I have Australian citizenship and uh, American citizenship. Saul, his Hebrew name, Paul, his Roman name. John is my Australian name, and John is my American name. <laughs> he had a misguided zeal for the kingdom of God. He was what we would call a religious bigot. He was like the inquisitors in the dark ages. Who carried out the inquisition? Who put people on the rack? Who burned innocent people at the stake when their bodies were fried? Religious people. Religious people. What about ISIS today? Religious people. Now, Paul was sincere, but he was sincerely wrong. Religious bigotry is responsible for much of the suffering in the world today. I tell you, God save us from religious bigots who would pick up stones instead of picking up people. Now we come to intervention. He was stopped in his tracks. Saul went on a rampage, persecution. He was on his way to Damascus to arrest the Christians. For the glory of God, for the glory of Israel. Acts chapter 9 verses 1 and 2. Notice it, Acts 9, 1 and 2. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus. If he found any who were of the way, the Christian way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Therefore, he is on a crusading zeal for the greater glory of God. One of the most important words is the word but. But. God had a plan. Man proposes. What does it say? God disposes. Christ appears. And the voice of Christ says these words. Saul, Saul, he talks to him in the language he understands. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. The voice of Christ. What are these goads? The goads are sharp sticks that are used to direct cattle. Poke them into a beast and the beast will quiver. Jesus said it's hard for you to kick against the goads. The goads of his own guilty conscience. Deep down inside him... uh, there was a fire burning that he knew that what he was doing, even though he was consumed by religious zeal, was somehow wrong. And Stephen had made a great impression upon him. So he was on a crusade, a holy religious crusade. I've seen lots of people and lots of churches on holy religious crusades. wholly self-satisfied. Holy religious and holy wrong. But something that this man did not realize and a lot of people don't realize today is this great truth. Christ is the sovereign Lord. Christ is in charge of everything in the world. And God had a plan and a purpose for Saul a million years before he was born. God saw him, God had a plan for him. Amazing, isn't it? Christ is sovereign Lord. Not Mr. Trump, I would remind my American friends. He's not in charge. He may think he is. Not Mr. Putin. He may think he's in charge, not only of his own country, but of some other people as well. Not Mr. Kim in North Korea. Christ is the Lord of history, and he's Lord of all. And Paul is knocked down, he's struck blind. And uh, as the great English preacher, John Newton, said, I was blind, uh, but now I see. Saul had to become blind before he could see. Like some of you who are watching the telecast today, like some of you sitting here in the studio, we have to become blind. And after... We are blind, then we can see. Um, Christ tells him to go into Damascus and he said, I want you to meet one of my children. He said, I know all about him. I can tell you where he lives. Actually, I think I've been to his house. He says, I know where he lives. I want you to go to his house. Did you know this, my friend? God knows where you live. He knows your name. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows every thought that courses through the molecules of your mind. How does that make you feel? So he goes into Damascus and he meets Ananias. Acts chapter 9 and verse 15. God said to Ananias, the Lord said to him, Go for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. I don't know what you think about when you read that text, but it tells me that God has got a plan and a purpose for every life. Do I have a sense of destiny? Absolutely. When I was a tiny baby, my mother didn't go to church. She would had enough of religion. But as a tiny baby, she had an impression in her soul that I was going to be a minister and an evangelist. And I'd preach around the world, and she held me up in her arms, this unchurched mother of mine, and dedicated me to God. Before you're born, God sees you. He has a plan for you. Then he's baptized is Saul. When he's baptized, the scales, because he become blind, the scales fall off his eyes. It's a new day, it's a new man, it's a new mission, and in a sense, it's a new world. Because Paul has been unleashed uh, upon the powers of darkness. Then he goes into the wilderness where he has the great. Revelation I, I just want to emphasize so much today. Like Moses, Elijah, John the Baptist, like our Lord Jesus Christ, he's driven by the Spirit into the wilderness, and he's there for about three years. God says, "I've got to take you away from the city. I've got to take you away from your friends." I've got to take you away from your cell phone. Some people are so addicted to it, they can't leave home without it. They live with it, they sleep with it. When they wake up, they look, they're look. they looking at it. it. It is an addiction, the same as if they were taking heroin. And it causes the greatest dumbing down of the human mind. People who are on these things all the time, their minds are, are shrinking. How does that make you feel? That's a fact. That's why I try to stay away from that stuff as much as I can. It is not going to be my master. I'm not going to answer it every time it rings or it beeps. So he goes into the wilderness. He goes into the wilderness where the gold is refined and the dross is removed. He goes into the vast of Arabia for three years and there he receives uh, the great revelation that most of us do not understand um, and we've never had it because we're so tied up with the world and we're so blind Galatians chapter 1 15 to 17 says this when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again after about three years to Damascus. So he doesn't go to the seminary or to the cemetery, and he doesn't even go and talk to the apostles. God drives him into the wilderness for the revelation. Galatians 1, 11 and 12. Think of these verses. I would warrant that most of you have never thought about this. So think about it. But I make known to you brethren that the gospel which was preached to me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. The gospel that Paul received that the vast majority of Christians do not understand was not taught to Paul. It came by a supernatural revelation out in the desert. What am I talking about? There's an old saying, the cat looks at the king, but the cat doesn't see the king. The cat has got sight hasn't got insight most people in the church today most people in the world have got sight but they've got no insight so the people look at the king but who is he He's nobody and that is why when they take up the bible if they ever do and try to read it they say i can't understand that stupid let me get back to the Cardassians or something like this let me do that Let me do that because this is something that I emphasize. This is something that I I understand. That is, you know why they do this? It is because they've been dumbed down and they're totally blind. Walking in darkness. And Paul gets the revelation. The true gospel is revealed to him. Christ alone, not by works of the law. Opposite to all he'd been taught in the theological seminary at Avondale. Let me tell you something, and I want you to think about this, and I share it with you. I was brought up in a super religious home. I was almost inoculated for life against religion because of religion. I went to Avondale College. I heard a preacher from England preach on the God filled blank. He said, Inside you, there is an emptiness. I said, myself, he's talking to me, it's me. When I was a boy of 17, from a super religious home, where there was a lot of religious fighting, supernaturally, God revealed to me the gospel. You say, not supernatural? yes. Wherever I walked The sky was bluer. The birds were sweeter. The people I met were nicer. And something else. I knew in my soul that Christ had died for me. I knew that God loved me. I knew that he was my God. I felt I owned him. That's the only way the gospel can be found through a supernatural revelation. I ask you the question, have you had it? If you haven't, don't sleep until you get it because the gospel is the only way we can be saved. And We'll be back after this short break with more revelations of the greatest of the apostles, the apostle Paul.
0: The reviews for the John Carter biography are in, and this is what they say. Anyone who reads this fascinating book and is not moved should check to see if they still have a pulse. I believe this book about God's miracles in Russia and Ukraine will burn the flame in your heart. This could prove to be one of the most important books ever written about public evangelism. Make sure you get a copy. I believe this book about John Carter's life will help readers grasp a vision for their lives.
1: For a donation of $100 or more, a signed copy of the John Carter
0: biography can be yours by writing to us at the address on the screen or visit our website. Do you sometimes get lost in the crowd? Do you feel there's just no love in the room? Like everybody's against you? You're all alone with no one to lean on. Do you need a word of encouragement? Do you know God? Have you tried prayer? Pastor Carter would like to pray for you now. Let us pray. Call 1-800-526-9777. Nothing to buy, the call is free. Call 1-800-526-9777. 1.3
1: billion people live in India. 200 million of these are Dalits, formerly called untouchables. 100% of your gift will go to fund projects for Dalit girls as an alternative. Your gift of $600 will educate, clothe, and feed one Dalit girl between 5 and 15 years of age for one full year. Go to carterreport.org or to the address on the screen.